Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Couch Politics. I'm here today. Uh, my name is Justin. Um, I'm here today with Sergio, uh, Manny, and Daniel. And uh, today we're going to talk about um, capitalism and what that means and looks like in America going forward. Is it something that we think we're going to keep going down as uh, something uh, that's good and will do great wonders for us in the future? Or should we uh, go in a different direction and go uh, a more progressive route? So um, you guys can uh, also join the conversation with us at our Twitter page uh, at politics couch uh and you can uh ask us questions there uh we're gonna be uh active on that tweeting out the news and our thoughts about it so uh you guys uh, are you ready to talk about our topic today ready yeah i'm ready right. so yeah. uh, Sergio, uh i know you wanted to go ahead and start by giving us a a, a quick rundown of capitalism how we got here today in america yeah, of course. So um, perhaps I should have done more research on it, but off the top of my head, there's the book Wealth of Nations. I can't remember the author right now, but it was the whole just kind of print for what a capitalist society could look like and could work like. And the, the, the core motif, the ideology of capitalism is that people are rewarded on their merit. Okay, they're rewarded for hard work, and it's considered... Um, humane in that sense because the old belief and it's very traditional and it has been disproven in some ways that if you work hard you get good things if you're lazy you get nothing obviously there's a there's inequality and there's a bunch of things that go into it but at the core it's, it's a very traditional i think it's a very moral ethical stance it's almost even evolutionary until how it treats um you know the economy and socialism controversial by nature because previous times it's been applied it ends up in many millions of people dying and but the ideology behind it i would say is pretty good and that's that we should all have one common standard and instead of fighting nail like tooth and nail we should have one common standard where all men are treated equally and all resources are spread even and that's all in good, but then the question after that becomes, you know, what happens to those that excel? Should a doctor be paid as much as your teenager doing, you know, customer service uh, industry work? You know, it, it, people should be rewarded on their merit, and that's where socialism kind of falls. But the good thing about socialism is, is it does promote a good standard of living for the general population. And it wants to guarantee less overall conflict over the economy. It's a very utopian ideal. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Daniel, Emmanuel, you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Okay. So, um, as I understand it, I, from a book that I was reading a couple months ago, maybe like half a year ago, um, it was called On Tyranny. And it was explaining the... Uh, I guess the ideologies of capitalism and socialism um, formed, I would say, around um, late 1800s, while uh, uh, a lot of the, the more, um, well, it's while nations were industrializing, um, people were deciding, well, nations were industrializing like um, England and um, 
the U.S., you know, that's where the U.S. had its robber baron era where there was a ton of rich people um, who were basically running America. The, the, in, in that period of history, late, uh, late 1800s, I don't really know any presidents. But I know uh, more about the business people during that time. And uh, so this was when uh, factories started being made. And this is when um, Hoover Town, like, what were they called? Hoover Towns? Or like basically like uh, towns that were created purely as um, um, places where people who would work for X billionaire would live. And, um, and so I think modern concepts of capitalism and socialism were being formed in their respective parts of the world. Then one thing is for sure that um, um, the spread of these ideologies, as much as their own creation, was a reaction to the, the ever-increasing globalization of the world. Uh, as communication got more easier, um, uh, I guess people started worrying about other parts of the world. Uh, so that's one part of it as well. Uh, I would say social, well, capitalism while um, having brought, I guess, by its nature, it kind of requires a lot of people to, um, to, to be, I would think, at the bottom grinding out uh, for, the, for businesses and for the economy. Um, overall production seems to, to um, be good for humanity as far as like, the technology it produces. Um, I think I agree with Sergio's assessment of socialism as good on um, good on ideas but um, and perhaps good on intentions but bad on um, on methods and um, implementation right so um, Manny any, any commentary yeah I mean it's, it's more of a question um, so is socialism just some sort of like fantasy like idea um, if it really never like has been proven to work, but like, is it just some sort of fantasy? Mm-hmm. Um, well, just yeah. before we uh, just before we go into that, so when Daniel, I just want to say one thing. I want to say is Daniel said Hoovervilles mm-hmm. um, when you were talking about um, about like uh, I forget what exactly what you said, but you said Hoovervilles. I just want to point out Hoovervilles were. Um, basically named after um, Herbert Hoover, who was the president at the time. Mm-hmm. Basically, there were shanty towns where poor people were living because during the Great Depression, they couldn't afford to live anywhere else. Oh, so that, yeah, so that's what the Hoovervilles are. Okay. But um, Daniel, I mean, sir, uh, Emmanuel basically asked, is socialism, um, or less in the, in the case of what we're talking about now, is progressivism, um, basically, is it a... Is progressionism a pipe dream? Okay, I I'd like to talk about. Do you think it's a pipe dream? Um, I guess if I may go first, I I want to say that uh, well, I think capitalism is something that is naturally arising as far as people having products they want to sell. Um, progressivism and socialism is definitely some sort of an afterthought that once we have some sort of system running, can we? Um, make a, a an idealistic system, and that idealistic system is not drawn by um, some sort of naturally occurring process like um, bartering. It's just drawn on ideals of I want the world to be lit this way, 
So in a sense, I think socialism inherently requires a, a very strong um, economic planning and uh, um, on the part of the government that wants to implement it. So in a way, it is um, trying to enforce something that may not naturally occur uh, in this world, which is like people giving other people money so that everybody can be um, healthy and, and, and all good and educated. So I think it, it, I, I would I hesitate to call it a pipe dream, but it's definitely not something that uh, would have naturally occurred. So in a sense, it is kind of fabricated um, as, a, you know, that society wants it to be to exist, but it's not something that would naturally occur without um, serious government um, enforcement. Okay, so basically you're saying that this is not something that humans would naturally tend towards, uh, towards more self-interest, which capitalism is. I mean, the whole tenet of, it, of capitalism is basically everyone works towards their own self-interest, and in doing so, they end up helping other people. So, like, you go to the, the, the baker to get bread because you want bread, and the baker uh, basically wants to make money. So, you both are working in your self-interest, but you end up helping each other out. Mm-hmm. Um, Sergio, you sound like you had something to say there. Yeah, uh, what's interesting about, I, I think Daniel's, um, Daniel's claim is absolutely right when we're talking about exclusively, um, like, the Western sphere. Um, recently, I, I was reading up on the Incas, and what's interesting about them is they were actually a naturally occurring social estate. So what Daniel mentioned about the resources, uh, how capitalism is everyone kind of working towards their own interests, but achieving a, a greater goal, that is something that can only occur once there is an abundance of resources. Ah. Um, historians, archaeologists, going into, you know, the, the Andes regions and in the coastal areas of, of Peru, they came to the conclusion that the resources were so scarce that a naturally occurring social state did happen. And, and that was because the, the consensus early on was that things are short, so we have to work together for us to survive. And the way... They, they did it was from the ground up. So they started at small, you know, these little uh, civilizations and they slowly started it, uh, expanding and implementing their theories and their concepts to the people they would conquer. And it eventually became, you know, the Incan Empire. But kind of tying it into something more modern is the historian here mentions how a good socialist knows their numbers. And this is a nod to this French historian that he was doing his work off. But the only way the socialist state worked in the Great Inca Empire was that they had the system of quipus. And it was this knotted system, and that's how they kept census, that's how they uh, kept track of the means of production, that's how they basically did everything. Is they, they were great at arithmetic. And they jotted everything down, and they adapted to every, you know, location and every people they conquered, it was never stagnated. They, they divided the land so that it, it would always suit the needs of that particular place. And where that becomes relevant now is that a good socialist knows their numbers. And I find a lot of people pushing a more socialist, progressive agenda don't know their numbers. 
All right, so Manny, uh, what do you think? Do you think that socialism is a pipe dream? I'm not really sure if it's a pipe dream or not, but just for me personally, I don't see why I should work with a person or like should share my wealth with somebody else. Like, why can I make my own money and just keep it to myself? I mean, like, why should I give it to someone who is unemployed? Um, if I busted my behind for this money, why can't I keep it? Okay. So basically you're saying it is you feel that you, that you don't have that social responsibility that you shouldn't have to have right? that social responsibility that just because you're rich and you made billions of dollars that you should have to fund a government, in this case, a government initiative to provide healthcare, free education, stuff like that, if you don't wish to. Right, because I'm not working for the government. I'm working for myself. I want my own money. I'm not working to pay people's health insurance, so why can't I keep my money? Okay. So anybody else have a, have a um, something else to say about that? Because a lot of people would say that, I mean, actually there have been a lot of people who say a lot of, I know Elizabeth Warren has said it, that it's immoral to have, uh, I think, uh, um, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure like uh, AOC, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has said that it is pra- basically that is immoral uh, for all these people to have all this money, all this wealth in the country. And then there'd be so many people who don't have much. And that's why like she, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have come up with these plans to basically tax the wealth of, you know, basically tax the, the wealthy um, of their wealth because they hold so much of it and there's so little. So, I mean, where do you think, and I mean, Manny has said like, no, you shouldn't be like, just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean that you should be forced to by government mandate to then or be taxed in order to provide this. What do you think, Manny? Um, I, so I think we, we can't, I, 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 we should not say it's immoral for there to be rich people. Um, it's in, but I, I want to first say this: that if you are rich in the American economy, you need to um, respect the rules of the American government. If you want to participate in this American economy, uh, the the Americans themselves have created a government that protects the people um, from certain things. So, in a sense. You pay to play. If you want to be in this American economy, you have to abide by the American government rules, that, which could also include um, taxation. I would say this, that um, I don't think it's immoral for people to be rich. I think a better way to put it is, as a country, what sort of policies are we going to implement? I think it are we going to just ignore the fact that there are people who are working three jobs um, trying to make basic ends meet while there are extremely rich people who, um, you know, whose wealth surpasses their, um, their needs, um, you know, many times over. It's immoral to allow people to be struggling so much. The issue should not be there is rich people. The issue is that there are poor people like it's not it should not be seen as 
uh, um, hatred toward the rich or jealousy. It should be seen as love and love for the poor person who's working three jobs and compassion for their needs. Um, and we need to approach it that way while still implementing similar policies and taxation and stuff because I think um, um, as a society, if we want to participate in the American pay the taxes. Um, I, I mean, I, I know somebody in, in Denmark who pays 55% um, taxes. He's not rich. Um, but hey, he doesn't complain because all, all of his needs are met. So basically speaking on, on what you just said, Kamala Harris basically came out and said she's for Medicare for all mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, and getting basically just making all a government institution. So basically when people were polled, according to Fox News, because this is where I heard them from, I'm not sure what poll it was exactly. Basically when you tell people, all right, so Medicare for all, um, would you like it? A lot of people like it. People love the idea. Then you say, well, if we do this, we're going to take away your private insurance. Less people like it because people like the, their insurance plans. And then when you tell them that you're going to have to pay higher taxes in order to, to you know, have this go through, it goes down even lower. So I think me and Daniel have talked about this. Uh, a lot of people in this country want a lot of things. They want a lot of initiatives um, such as, you know, free Medicare, um, free education. But once you say like, oh, well, we're going to have to raise your taxes in order to get this it seems to be a huge pushback because who does that tax person Burton going to fall on? Let's be real. It's not going to fall on that 1% that they're trying to tax. And I don't think you'll ever probably ever get that through Congress. Um, it's going to be the middle class is going to be the poor and they're going to have to bear the burden of that tax. It's basically you have that trade-off. Will you take more in taxes in order to have this, the, you know, the ability to say I have a free education or free Medicare. And I feel like for a lot of people, once you say, well, we're going to have to increase your taxes, it's like, uh-oh. Like if you say like, oh, well, this tax is really wealthy, it's like, oh, okay, that's fine. It doesn't affect me. But once you say we have to dip into your pocket too, because no matter what the projections say, and I could be wrong about this, no, no matter what the projections say about how much money they're going to collect, all of us, we're all going to have to chip in. And the thing is, are we going to be willing to chip in? And um, if we're and if we're willing to chip in, how much? Hmm. But why change now, though? I mean, like, haven't we been a capitalist country for how long now? Um, I think more Americans basically want to see the government take a larger responsibility in their welfare. I mean, like you said, uh, you know, the last time we had really big changes like this, it was like the Great Depression. And, you know, it was like, okay, we have to do something because all these Americans are in trouble. And and basically what we're seeing, I think we're seeing an expansion of, of the government. We kind of take it for granted today um, a lot of the things that the government does, like Social Security. That wasn't a thing until, you know, we were trying to get out of the Great Depression. Even taking care of the military dead. I was just reading a book about this. Taking care of the military dead, making sure that Every soldier got buried, was put into a, a proper grave. The family was notified. At one time, the government didn't do that. It wasn't until after the Civil War that the government began to take on the responsibility of caring for the war dead. So we're basically seeing uh, basically people wanting the government to take on even more responsibility than it's had before. 
How about like the psychology like argument though that some people are are born certain personality traits like is it that like should we just accept the fact that some people have the personality becoming successful and rich and there's some people who don't and therefore are going to remain poor for the rest of their lives all right so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor kind of going with what manny's talking about it's certainly true that there are traits that do make some people more successful than others um i don't think that's what we're discussing when it comes to the new policies because well uh, like they're not only is it almost trying to override the natural order into almost this you know utopian state it's also about if we have one common level, then what is the lowest acceptable standard of living? So like we're not, everyone's going to be a CEO and listen, man, some people are destined for greatness. Others aren't. All right. That's the truth. I know it hurts. Okay. Facts don't care about your feelings. Okay. But people should not be absolutely starving and worrying about it. There should, my, my approach to this, that, people should have the resources to climb to the top. So I'm not saying give free handouts. I'm saying give them the opportunity. opportunity. Yes. yes. The new crop of Democrats that are coming in are saying that it is the government's responsibility to make sure that its citizens are having this, whether that be free health care or free education and whatever it is. And you have the other side saying that, no, it is not our responsibility. One, because we can't afford it. But um, it's not our responsibility to do that. Basically, you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and make it through life that way. Right? We'll give you the opportunity to go to college, but we're not going to pay for it. You have to figure out how to do that yourself. Um, we're not going to. We'll give you the opportunity to have health care, but you have to figure out how to get the health care and so. So you have these two different views. You have one that says basically we're going to have everything set for you. We're going to take care of you. We'll worry about how we're going to pay later. Well, we have a few policies on how to, how we're going to pay it, but that still remains to be seen on how that's going to work. And then you kind of have where we are now, where it's basically like, well, you're going to have to get that job in order to get good health care. You're going to have to go out and get student loans or work three, four jobs uh, in order to pay for your education. So that's where we're at. Like for me, I feel like I like agree with both sides, but also like disagree with both sides because I do understand that we can't afford to pay for like all these um, all these things like free health care and free education. I feel like we need to pick what's most important um, to us. And it sucks because yes, as a person who's in college, who's going to owe more than $60,000 um, of student loans, I wish there was free education or, or, or free health care, but I feel like we need to choose one because we can't afford to pay for all these things. At least the government can't. But I also do recognize that, that there is a need that comes with free health care and free education, or not necessarily free education, but more government help when it comes to paying for school. Um, so I feel like there has to be some sort of... Um, you know, like priority choosing which of these things we really need. One thing that you should ask is, 
um, not how, I guess, how unequal the distribution of wealth is, but um, can people uh, afford things? And um, so I want to know what percentage of America is actually working like two to three jobs to make ends meet and for what mm-hmm. reasons. And we need to have a, 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 an intelligent idea of what that is in, in terms of good solid numbers, not affected by any sort of par, uh, partisan or ideological wish. We just need the raw numbers and see how that looks like um, in order to fully assess how, um, I guess, what the government needs to do. Like like with uh, Manny's question, you know, or what he posed was that we should either pick free healthcare or free college, but not both because we can't afford both. It's a good point. Um, and we should consider how many Americans right now can um, uh, don't have any health care and can't afford to pay for their own health care, or how many Americans ha- can afford to pay their own health care, but it's really killing them. So we need to ask these questions. Um, and to actually, I feel like we need to actually ask what are the number of people that don't have health care and what can we do about it? And um, we should think about um, how can we implement uh, 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 some sort of universal health care, uh, whether it be through what Obamacare has done, which is kind of like force like everybody to have some sort of health insurance, whether private or public. Um, and then, uh, with education, not everybody, um, like, I guess college education is something that we should, I I believe the country should be proud to educate its people, just like it should be proud to have a strong military. Um, but I think that you you deal with, um, healthcare for a lifetime and you pay for your healthcare for a lifetime while you, you only need to pay college for a part of your life or you go to college for only a couple years of your life compared to the decades that you have. Um, so I think healthcare should be a, a bigger priority than college. Okay. So, so basically, I mean, it seems to, to me that uh, none of us really want to go a pure progressive route um, in the country. However, we do think that the status quo as it is, um, there's, definitely things that need to be fixed we do need to find ways i think to make sure um i'm not sure how i wish i knew how but to find ways in order to get people the tools to basically pull themselves out of poverty um give them like a starting point because you know a lot of people say pull yourself up by the bootstraps what if you have no bootstraps? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I, I was just about to say that. Like, if you have no bootstraps, then you can't pull yourself up. Um, kind of in line with what the other two have said is like the whole message of the new progressive ideology is nice people deserve nice things. That, that that's the way I see it. And to me, it's so vague. You know. Like, okay, so you, you, okay, so like who is getting these resources? What are the resources? At what age do you get resources? Like, it can't just be we're going to become a utopian state. I, I think 
it's really interesting that Daniel said we need to pick healthcare or we need to pick college. You can't have it all at the same time. And if you really want to change the system so much, it's also going to be, there's that cultural thing in the background where America has never been socialist and we might have had socialist policies, but it's going to take a long time for people to even be comfortable with the idea of sharing everything. Because I mean, our history is of, of kind of like might makes right, unfortunately. Yeah. Individualism, you, you uh, the American dream, you know, you come here, you don't have much, but you, you, you work hard and you can make it. And basically, like, you know, you, you if you have bootstraps to begin with, um, I think we, what we need to do is give people tools in order to make, in order to have that opportunity to get there, in order to have the opportunity to better themselves. And once we can provide those tools, um, and I don't, and that may not be necessarily providing free college education. If we can afford it, great, because it makes no sense to, in my, in my opinion, to pay for all this stuff, make it all free, um, and then run the deficit up. Yeah. Or you, or you, or you do all this stuff and then find out that, you know, just taxing the rich isn't paying for it. So you have to raise taxes anyway. And then like, everyone's mad at you because no one wants to pay uh, extra in taxes. People need to understand um, that if you want good public programs, you need to pay taxes or you need to redistribute the funding. Cause frankly, I exactly. think we have more than enough money to cover for this. But it all, most of it goes to the armed forces. And there's good reason for that. I used to be more against that. There's actually, you know, we kind of have to do, have to play the whole world police game. I I wish it hadn't come down to that. But unfortunately, a a lot of it is somewhat necessary. So the question isn't, you know, part of it is like to raise taxes. But part of it is like, you know, there's the idea of you have to give up something if you want more. And part of it is like you also have to look at who you're electing, who you're who you're voting for that decides these policies. Like, how can you be outraged when you kind of let these people make these policies and you were fine with it? Right. So definitely, you know, uh, your vote counts, who you vote for counts. And a lot of people, especially now, realize that. And, you know, a lot of people are, are kind of, you know, a bit scared by what they're seeing. Some people are looking at the, the Democrats now and being like, oh, crap, they're going really progressive. And, you know, some people are looking at the other side and saying, like, oh, those guys are being too regressive and want to keep the status quo. So people are realizing that your vote actually counts. Uh, and so just just as a, as a last like uh, question to sum things up, um, if you were, um, let's say, president of the United States now, because I think that good government is, is basically making sure your citizens have what they need, but also keeping the deficit um, in, in like within some type of either making it smaller or keeping it at a manageable level. Hmm. If you were president, what policies or policy would you like to see? Name one policy that you want to see within those constraints, you know, having to deal with a huge deficit, but also trying to make sure that your citizens have what they need to live basically decent lives. So we'll start with you, Sergio. All right. So 
if I were to be president and have control to put policies and <clears throat> give everyone a good start, you know, we're going with really good values here. Um, I think kind of going back against all the conservative rhetoric I've used so far, I would legalize weed. All right. And it's not so much, it's not so much of a like, Oh, like, yeah. Uh, you know, legalize it. Don't criticize it. No, I'm thinking of ways we can get more revenue. And I think of ways we can reduce stuff on crime. So much money goes to policing marijuana that is really the least dangerous out of so i think it's, it's even least, it's less dangerous than alcohol and alcohol is legal but it's controlled right like yes we need taxes but let's tax commodities okay let's not tax necessities okay weed do you need weed you don't need weed but people will pay for it that that's all I have off the top of my head just kind of some ways because we do okay. need taxes for better programs and that's just kind of my bit Definitely. Daniel? Um, I would say um, strong regulations toward consumer protection in all um, industries. So okay. That means no more gym, gym memberships ripping you off and forcing you into contracts. <laughs> um, personal anecdotal evidence right there. <laughs> right. right. Um, uh, no more um, pharmaceutical industry putting arbitra- having arbitrary power over their their prices. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to reduce the amounts of exploitation that occurs in capitalism. That's my main thing I can think of right now. Okay. That I could. Uh, Manny. Go ahead. Oh, oh. Uh, Manny. Yeah, I mean. I mean, for me, like I think if I was president, my my number one agenda um, would be education. I feel like the first thing I'll do is kind of um, confront like public institutions because I feel that that they like have to become pretty much a massive business, um, a lot of universities force their students to take classes that they do not need at all. Like I had dance appreciation as a requirement, like and <laughs> dance has nothing to do and dance appreciation has nothing to do with journalism. It's just a way for the school to charge me money. So I feel by, by coming up with something, some sort of plan, or some sort of, um, yeah, by coming up with something that kind of confronts these universities and say, hey, listen, what are the courses that really are necessary for these students? Because I think that will like, cut down the cost and it will cut down the amount of time you spend in college too, which would save the people mm-hmm. money. But my whole message during my presidency would be, education because i feel like that's a big issue um people shouldn't be graduating from college with loans up to two hundred thousand dollars like my brother-in-law did it's 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 ridiculous that's something that i would tackle on if i was president okay and and for me um i'm gonna be you know one simple thing i would make um election day a holiday um 
in other countries, basically election day is a day that everyone has off and everyone doesn't have to worry about waking up really early in the morning or really late at night, uh, you know, after they get off work, rushing to the polls in order to vote. It's a holiday. Everyone wakes up, take your time, go down to the voting, um, go down to the voting booth and, you know, go vote. I mean, because I I feel like we, I think here in America, we need to make voting since it's a right. We should make voting something that's easy to do. We put it on a Tuesday in the middle of the week. Everyone has to go to work. People have to either take off work or go really early in the morning or rush from home after work to, to go do it. If it's, it could be really long lines. So why don't we just make it a holiday, a federal holiday? You go down, you you, you make a I'll make a day of it. I don't know, hand out like snacks or something uh, at the at the polls. Just make it a, a something that people want to do, and it's not like a burden or anything like that. Yeah, like, so, like celebrate it and encourage it. You know, this is one of your yeah, it would encourage it, right? Because I mean, for and and you know, like even if we have to like say, you know, like you know, some people. Are like well, you know, like Republicans want people to get voter IDs. All right, fine. So let's make it so that like if you don't have an ID on election day, you can go. We have social. <laughs> we can go get a voter ID. Right? No excuses. You, no excuses. Let's make like I have no problem with there being saying like all right, let's make sure you are actually a voter. Um, have a voter ID. I think we should just make it a lot easier for people to vote and for people to participate in the, the electoral system. So that's what I would, one thing I would tackle. So uh, I, I do want to thank you all. I got for... something else, Justin, though. Oh, wait, wait, you got something, got something yeah. else. Uh-oh. If I was president, make America like sexy mo- again? No, no, if I was president, like the Monday um, following the Super Bowl would be holiday? a national holiday because it's crazy <laughs> people have to wake up on I I agree. <laughs> Good source of nationalism, right there. You know. (laughs) Hey, look, we're like one, uh, the only country in the world that you know plays football. We should celebrate that. We should celebrate at least half the day. American football. Yeah, at least something. Right. (laughs) All right. So, um, and that's right. Next week is the Super Bowl. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, let us know what team you're rooting for. You can do that at. Our Twitter page, that's at Politics Couch, or if you want to talk to us about anything we discussed here today, you can do that there. Hit us up. We'll be glad to talk to you. Also, if you're listening to this uh, on like iTunes and you like what we what we say, like what we do, uh, please leave a review and let us know what you think about the podcast. So, guys, um, and to all you listening, that is it. I hope you have a good night, a good weekend, and a good Super Bowl weekend. This is the end of... Episode 3 of Couch Politics.